feel the Holy Ghost in the house this morning. Mm. He also knew that we, each and one of you, were going to be here this morning. He knew that we were going to be here, and he knew that his spirit was going to touch hearts like I feel it's touching hearts right now. I'm so glad that he knows my name. I'm so glad that I know his name. I'm so glad that I know today that there's salvation, not in anything in this world, but neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is in the house today. Hallelujah. Like I said, you're not here by accident. The situation that you might be facing and dealing with, you might have felt like you're dealing with it alone. Guess what? You're not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's here today. If you don't know him, if you don't have a relationship with him, you don't have to walk out of these doors today without having a relationship with what I'm feeling right now. Hallelujah. I feel the spirit of the Lord in here this morning. Thank God for that. Amen. That when we come together in this way, that we can feel his presence and feel his spirit. And what he's doing, the reason he does that, he's drawing us to him. He's drawing us by His Spirit. He wants relationship with each and every one of us. Amen. That's His desire, is to have a relationship with you. That's why we were created, Brother Sharon. He created us to come down like He did Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening and have fellowship with them. Thank God that my God is accessible today, and He desires to have a relationship with me. Praise God. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Praise God. I love Sunday school, don't you? Amen. I love to be able. I grew up, for those of you that don't know me, I grew up as a little fella in this church. I was taught all about Jesus in the back of this church. Amen. Amen. Thank God for our Sunday school teachers that put up with little fellas like me that taught me about the love of Jesus Christ. That taught me that the devil's a sly old fox. And you could catch him, you better put him in a box. Lock that box and throw away the key. Amen. But they taught me about the love of Jesus Christ. They taught me that he loved me, that he cared for me. And I'm thankful for Sunday school this morning. Amen. Praise God. I'm thankful for that relationship. That's it. You know, they sang that song that talks about he knows my name. I'm so glad that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. What a blessing. And you know what? He has given us his word. And I know I talk about it every time I come up here. In fact, I'm going to put my clock out right now. I don't want to go late. And I shouldn't today. But uh, I talk about the importance of the Word of God. That's God. To have relationship with Him, He has to speak to us. And the way God speaks to us is through His Word. Now, I'm not saying that God can't speak to us in audible voice. Sherry, it's good to see you. I love Sherry. And uh, it's good to have all our visitors Amen. I'm so thankful that you graced us with your presence today and be here with us and worship our great God and Savior with us. But God's Word is important, folks. I, uh, I had a wonderful weekend with my, uh, with my children and even my grandchildren. I got to take my grandson hunting, deer hunting for the first time, and uh, that was quite the experience. And I believe, Brother Sharon, if we had had any blind or deaf deer walking through the woods, we'd have had a shot at it. We'd have had a chance. We might have had a chance if they were blind or deaf because he was pretty wound up. But uh, we had a good time, and uh, I'm thankful for that. I thank the Lord for 
the little place over in the hills that I have and the blessings of family and the blessings that, that God has given us. But folks, we need to realize today that all of these things are going to pass away. The Bible says it like this, heaven, that's the heavens, heaven and earth will pass away. But there's one thing that's not going to pass away. He said, my word will not pass away. That's why it's so important to have a proper relationship with his word, to study his word, to spend time in his word, because that's the way God speaks to us. Many times you've heard me say that that's God's love letter to us. That's his letter to us, and that's how he speaks to us today. And not only is the word of God important, but finding ways in our life to practically apply the word of God. I know I say that every time too. But to me that's so important not only to read the word of God and to study the word of God and let God speak to us. But to find ways in our life to apply the word of God. Because that's what it's all about. It does us no good to just read it and just in passing read it. But if we'll find ways and that's God's desire for us to practically apply the word of God. Find ways to put it in action in our life. And that's where we'll find results. And that's where we'll find the blessings of God. Amen. I want to, now I'll get to my lesson. That was a little, just a, we're going to go to Sunday school this morning, all right? We're going to talk about Noah today. Is that okay? We all learned about Noah in the Bible, didn't we? Back in Sunday school, we knew about the great flood and all that. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today, if you'll, if you'll bear with me. Jesus was pressed one time. We're going to go to Luke chapter 17. Jesus was pressed one time by the, by the religious leaders of his day. They wanted to know about, the, about the, 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 the kingdom of God coming. They wanted to know about the end. And in Luke 17, we're going to start with verse uh, 26. Sister Star, if you want to put that up on the board. Luke 17 and 26. They were pressing Jesus and they wanted to know about what the end. They demanded, in fact, verse 20 says they demanded of, and when the, they demanded of him to know when was the kingdom should come. And uh, he answered them in verse 26. He says, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. And here's what they done in the days of Noah. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Amen. So it seems like that life was just going on Kind of normal there. They were eating, they were drinking, they were married, and they were giving in marriage. They were just, the world was just, just going along. And they didn't even realize that the time was short and the time was come. Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter 6. And we'll, we'll read a little bit about, about the days of Noah. But Jesus gave them that warning and he, that, that he told them, I'm going to give you a sign. And he gave us many signs. We all, how many of y'all believe we're living in the last days? Amen. We don't have to look too far around us and we can see that biblical scripture is being fulfilled all around us. Amen. I was sitting in my recliner the other night and how many of y'all felt that little shaking going on? Man, I've been, I've had so many kids over, my grandkids and stuff's been over the house and they've been in and out and in and out. I thought maybe a possum or something had come in the house and got underneath my recliner. And that thing began to shake. Man, I jumped up and I looked at that thing and then I noticed some other stuff shaking so I, I knew I didn't have a varmint in my, in my recliner. But that's a sign of the end time, and, and we see them all around us. Jesus gave us all kind of, uh, he told us about what would be coming to pass in the last day. But specifically here, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, 
so shall it be before the coming of the Son of Man. So let's look in Genesis chapter 6, and let's look at the days of Noah. I'm going to start reading with verse 5. Hope you don't mind me reading a little bit. I love the Word of God. Amen? Amen. It will work in your life. And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That sound like our day a little bit? That sound like the day and hour in which we live? Remember what Jesus said, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah. He said that their heart was only on evil continually. And it repented the Lord, verse 7, that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Oh, but I love verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. That's a game changer right there. That changes the whole story. That changes the whole scenario. God was going to destroy man from the face of the earth because they had become so evil. Their thoughts and their intents were not on him. They were on evil continually. But thank God for the grace of God. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Are you thankful for that grace this morning? Amen. That grace that hath appeared unto all men. Amen. Verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. We don't need to let that pass right by us. He was a good man. He walked with God. He walked with God. He had relationship with God. And he found grace in the eyes of God. That means favor. God favored him. God looked down. There was something about the life of Noah. With all the evil that was in the world. With all the... The people being, all the violence and the evil that was on men's heart and their imagination continually. Noah was not like that. And he found grace. Now, he, you know, he was still a man just like you and I. He wasn't walking in perfection. Now, it says that his generations was perfect. But that's talking about the bloodline of, of Noah up till that time. He was a man like you and I. And he was not perfect in all of his, all of his doings. But thank God he found grace. Thank God there was something about Noah. The book of Peter says that he was a preacher of righteousness. He, did, he, he appreciated the things of God. Amen. And Noah, verse 10, And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Verse 11, I want you to notice this. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Amen. I don't know about you, but that's what I see in the world around me today. I see a lot of violence. I see it all around us. I mean, if you watch the news, that's what you're going to see. And I don't have to stand here for an hour and try to tell you the state of the world in which we live. You see it every day. You live in it. But I want you, what I want you to do is I, what I want to get to, through to us today is I want us to find grace. I want us to find that grace, that way of escape. God was going to destroy that world. He did destroy that world. But one man found grace. And God gave that man a plan. And God gave that man a way of escape. And that man followed that plan. I won't read through all he began. God told him what he wanted him to do. Because I'm going to destroy this earth, he said. And there's destruction coming. He said, but I'm going to make a way of escape. And God gave Noah a practical plan to put into action. And he began to build the ark. And I'm sure that uh, Noah probably had questions. I would have had questions. You know, he was just a man. I would have been getting questions. Lord, I mean, this is, this is something that I've never uh, encountered before. 
And, you know, it wasn't like today. I mean, I imagine building a, a, an ark of that size, a boat of that degree, was probably quite an undertaking. That's why it took so long. Amen. But he believed God, that God was going to destroy the earth. He believed that a flood was going to come. Now, today we hear preaching all around us that, that we're living in the last days, that we are living in a time that Jesus' soon return is at hand. And we have also been given a plan. And that's the word of God. God has made a way of escape for us if we will follow that, if we will follow that plan. Thank God that God has given us that grace that he gave Noah in that day so that we could have that way of escape. But have you ever asked yourself this question, what would have happened in Noah's day when God gave him the explicit instructions and he told him how I want you to be, he even told him what kind of wood he wanted him to use. Now, I don't know what gopher wood was. I don't know what kind of wood that was. But when God began to give these instructions, Noah did not question God. He just obeyed God. He obeyed the plan. What would have happened, Brother Larry, you think, if Noah would have said, you know, I, I think this, I don't know, I don't like that. I don't like the dimensions of this, or I don't like this about it or that about it. And I, I think I want to maybe deviate from that plan a little bit. I'm afraid if he would have deviated, Brother Casey, from that plan, that it wouldn't have, that it wouldn't wouldn't have worked. Brother Altry, uh, when you mentioned a while ago when you said turn around and tell somebody what you were thankful for, I turned around to Brother Altry and I'm thankful for a lot of things. But I said, Brother Altry, I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for those Sunday school teachers that I alluded to earlier that taught me about Jesus. I'm thankful for a mother and a father that brought me to the house of the Lord. Not just sent me to church, but they brought me to church. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for brothers and sisters in this place that when I was just a, teen, a young boy would, would hug me up and they would tell me they loved me and they would encourage me in the things of God. I'm thankful for that. Folks, that church is the ark today. And what I want to talk about today is a comparison between the ark of Noah and the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because there's only one thing that's going to get us through the flood that's coming, through the destruction that's coming, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's serving Him. I'm not talking specifically about this building. Thank God for this building. Thank God for this people. Thank God for my brothers and sisters. But I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ, the church that He bought and paid for with His blood. Amen. I don't want to think about that. He bought and paid for this church with his blood. So it belongs to him. It's not mine. I can't put my name on the door. And the name on the door is not what saves us anyhow. But it's if we have followed the teachings of Jesus Christ. If we have listened to that blueprint and followed that blueprint in those instructions. Then God, then we can be a part of his church. I want to be a part of his church, don't you? Amen. I want to make it through what's coming. In the future. Amen. But I want to follow that plan. Obedience. Obedience to that plan. Like I said, it would have been easy for Noah. I'm sure he was a laughing stock. You know, there would never been a flood. I don't even know if that time it even had ever rained. You know, I don't know. They had never seen flood anyway. They would never seen anything like this. But his obedience... God's plan for his life and for what God asked him brought salvation not only to Noah but also to his family 
And salvation could have come not just to Noah and his family, it could have come to others as well if they would have listened to that preacher of righteousness that preached and that tried to teach them there's a, there's a flood coming. There's a, there's a time coming. I'm so thankful that he was obedient. So we, you know what? We wouldn't be here today. All of our, you know, man would have all perished in the flood except for the grace that God extended to Noah. And, and not, I don't want to pass that by. Noah was obedient to the plans of God. And he followed those plans to the minutest of detail. And because of that, salvation came to the house of to Noah and his family. I want my family saved, don't you? I want to be saved against this, this disaster that's looming, against these end times. In a world that's trying to swallow you up, every day they're trying to swallow you up. They'll get you so busy that you have time, you don't seem to have time for the things of God. They'll get you so tied down in this and that and work and trying to make a living. And all those things are necessary. And not all, the thing, not all the things that we get involved in are bad things. But don't let anything separate you from the relationship that you need to have with Jesus Christ. Don't let anything separate. There's nothing as important as that relationship that you have with Him. Because that's going to be the salvation for you and for your family. Amen. I want to read a little story, if my eyes will let me. That's part of getting old. Brother uh, Gene and Brother Altry's back there talking about their age and stuff, and I just kind of just, I said, man, I won't, the way I'm deteriorating, I don't know if I'll even be able to see time I'm that age. This is a, a story that was, I used to have devotion a lot with my, when, well, I had devotion every day with my children, and uh a lot of times, you know, we would we would usually read the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We'd read a few, you know, a portion of Scripture, and then we would discuss it. But sometimes I would read from this book that was written by an old Mennonite, an old Amishman, and uh, he had a way of telling telling stories that would just uh, make a point like I couldn't make. And we would, I would, but he wrote a story, a short story called "The Tale of Two Ships," and I'd like to read that for you this morning. Surely it was one of the ugliest wooden structures ever fitted together by human hands. Hewn timbers stretched from end to end, clad with rough boards, bent and bulging. To begin with, the size was awkwardly huge, reaching 450 feet in length, extending 75 feet in width, and looming 45 feet in height. Although the structure was built three stories high, there was no windows or doors or openers of any sort in the lower two stories. I mean, just the size alone, think of the size of the yard. Like I said, they only had rough cut lumber. They didn't have the greatest of ways to build. It was common knowledge that the man who had built this strange contraption was perhaps just as peculiar as the thing itself. Ere he had begun building more than 100 years before, he had led a fairly ordinary life, but now he seemed to be obsessed by some irrational fear of drowning. Perhaps of his... Perhaps if his explanation of what he was doing had made a bit more sense, some of his neighbors might have taken him more serious. As it was, they could hardly be blamed for dismissing him as a madman. I mean, just consider that. Think about when they've seen him building that ark. Considering how much time and effort he had put into the project, he had an astonishing disregard for its appearance. As if the sight of this hulking, ungainly vessel built on dry land 
miles from the seas, was not embarrassing enough, Noah went to work Noah went to work one day and spread black sticky tar all along its every crack and seam, both inside and out. It had been plain and unappealing before, but now it was just ugly. We can imagine what crowds gathered every day, some of them having traveled a far distance to stand and stare and gape. Some were polite enough to conceal their amusement, while others no doubt laughed in Noah's face. Poor Noah. Too bad he had allowed some strange ideas to enter into his head. He could, he could have had it nice had he even spent half as much time and energy building himself a comfortable home. Of course, we know how it turned out. That ugly tar streak. I'm trying not to get emotional. I know the end of the story. Of course, we know how it turned out. That ugly tar-streaked, oversized structure of crude timber turned out to be a giant ship in the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. It floated easily and moved gracefully and securely through the pounding storm. As the thunder crashed and the lightning slashed the sky again and again, the great ship, heavy now with cargo, floated majestically, an awesome outline against the sky. Drowning men swam in cold water at its base, looking up at it longly. Suddenly, it did not seem like such an ugly structure. It didn't seem like the same structure. Amen. And I'm, I'm reading, I'm, I'm wanting you to draw comparison between this ark and the church today. The church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It was no longer plain and common. Certainly not ugly. It seemed appealing and attractive. It no longer looked like a twisted, embarrassing, misshaped mistake. It was a beautiful picture of safety and refuge. But for the men in the water, for the thousands and thousands of them, it was too late. They had for far too long failed to recognize her beauty and her worth. Did you ever wonder why Noah didn't design a more beautiful ship? Did you ever think about that? It isn't that people are opposed to getting on ships. The building of another ship centuries later proved that. When the Titanic was built, people thronged on board with great eagerness. Now, if Noah had built a luxury liner like that with comforts, and with conveniences built right in, he might not have had such a job of getting converts. But it seemed that Noah did not know the first thing about the niceties of life. He left out the carpeting and the panel walls and the rich mahogany and the music and the dancing and drinking and the entertainment. He seemed helpless when it came to designing something with a little style and fashion and class. There was no long sleek lines, no streamlined look, and no gleaming paint. Imagine smearing all that tar. Anyone should have known that that would turn the people away. If Noah could have only known how to spruce things up a bit more, how differently his story might have ended. Here he was with a hundred years of hard labor practically wasted. When he was finally finished, he had saw that last board. When he had driven the last final wooden spike, he discovered he couldn't persuade anyone to get into his boat. He finally had to settle for his own family and a shipload of animals. Oh, but with the Titanic, there was a, there was a plan different. Uh, there was planned differently. That ship was glamour from start. It was smooth and shiny and polished. It was acclaimed and, and praised by the rich and the wealthy and all the high and the mighty. They all wanted on because they just knew the maiden voyage would be a big hit. Well, guess what? It was. When Noah built his ship, everyone laughed and said it was ugly. And besides, anyone could see it would never float. As it turned out, it survived the worst rainstorm ever to lash land and sea. It couldn't sink. 
When the Titanic was built, it was heralded far and wide as the ship that couldn't sink, just the opposite of Noah's clumsy, homely boat. It turned out to be the opposite instead. It couldn't float. The church of Jesus Christ is like a ship sailing through the sea of life. People are no different today than they've always been. They still don't like the idea of getting to a plain and common vessel. So the builders of the Titanic, so the, so like the builders of the Titanic, a lot of people decide to add a few attractions. The ship gets overhauled and modernized until it, is, till it has, till it has a bit more style and class. After all, we're living in different age. People are used to having a few conveniences. The old tar must go. We need more stylish dress. We need better educated preachers. We need more activities and meetings and programs. We need faster tunes to sing at church. We need more conveniences and luxuries. Yes, ships can be overhauled. They can be dressed up so that a person would hardly recognize them. They can be made as much more appealing and attractive as the Titanic outshone the humble ark of Noah. There's only one minor problem. Like the Titanic, they can't be trusted to stay afloat. Thank God for the church. Now today, thank God we have a church that is vibrant. A church that is about, that is doing things to reach the lost. Thank God for that. But in all of our getting, we cannot. And thank God that we have it and that I don't feel with our leadership that we will. We have not deviated from the plan. Many people today in this, in this Christianity today, they have dressed the church up so much. And they've really dressed it down to try to be appealing to this world. That they have got away from the plans of God. From the design of God. I went into a church one time, Brother Sharon, where they had flashing lights and they had smoke. They had all this stuff. All trying to imitate the moving of the Spirit. All trying to make people. And then, But folks, that boat won't float. You might gather, you might make you might make it where you can get a crowd. You might add on to this and add on that and take away where the church of Jesus Christ is not even recognizable. God help us. But that boat won't float. That old humbled ark, although unappealing to some, in the right place at the right time, it couldn't sink. And I'm telling you, there's a storm on the horizon. There's a storm that's going to face each and every one of our, our lives. And we need to get invested in something and get into something that's going to stand the test of time. I don't want to be a part of something that deviates from the word of God just to appeal to my flesh. I don't want to be a part of something that lets me be comfortable to live however I want to live. And let me die and be lost and my children die and lost and go to hell. I can't afford to lose my children. I can't afford to lose my family. Family. I've had to sit and even talk to my kids. And they'd say, yeah, but dad, what about this? And dad, what about that? And I tried to explain to them that that boat won't float. But if you will build that ark, if you will build your life upon the foundations of the word of God, if you will build your life upon his word, we can't deviate from his word, folks. In his word is life. And that boat will float if we will build our lives, if we will be a part of a church, be a part of a people that stand for this word. Thank God for, that we have a pastor that will preach to us the word of God, that loves us enough to preach truth to us. Amen. I want to be a part of that old ship of Zion, don't you? 
Amen. Hey, it's going to take us through. It's going to take us through these oncoming storms. Amen. There's no flood waters that's going to arise. Heaven and earth can pass away, but His Word's going to stand forever. Amen. It's going to stand forever. Amen. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But His Word, that's the foundation that I want to build upon. Amen. I want to build on that foundation. Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. If you're thankful for the church, say amen. 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 I thank you, Lord, for the church. Amen. The old ship. Thank you, Brother Marty. I appreciate that. Comparison to the ark, the church, I thought as you were talking about the Titanic, you know, I mean, that had all the glitz and the glamour and the appeal that was there, and yet it didn't do what it was intended to do. It got people on board, but it didn't keep them safe from the storm. And I'm grateful for a church that keeps us safe in the storm. Aren't you thankful for God's word? Why don't we just one more time give him praise and thank him today for his word. God, I thank you for your word that works. It works every day and it will every day for it is established in heaven. Amen. God bless.